Hey guys, how you doing? Not long to go now until the start of the 21-22 season and that means that you are currently listening to the Not The Top 20 podcast betting show season preview episode sponsored by Betfair. We are delighted with the response to our 1-24s to and we send a massive thank you to all of you who listened to them, whether it was one of them or all three. Uh, anyone who shared them online and allowed us to reach a new audience, we are most grateful. We head into the season in high spirits and we've been looking forward to this one as well, George, one of our favourite shows each season. As mentioned, we are sponsored by Betfair for the entirety of this season. Uh, that does not change how we will be covering the EFL in podcasting terms. Uh, and George, we're really excited about this season. What does that mean for the show? It's great for the show. It's great for all of our shows. And I think, you know, we both are committed to using the support from Betfair to improving the betting show uh, for the upcoming season. Uh, Betfair obviously have a sports book and they have an exchange. So it means the the range of bets and, and selections and stuff that we can give in the markets as well is bigger than ever. The guys are Betfair have also put up a couple of our, our specials as well, the daily specials already. So fingers crossed that'll be a constant and I'll continue to, to boost the prices for a couple of things. And uh, and yeah, I mean, there are loads of reasons to use Betfair, which we'll come on to over the course of, of the podcast. But certainly uh, I'm buzzing, buzzing to be back only a couple more days until Ali, you and I are going to be sitting at the Vitality, settling into a bit of Bournemouth against West Brom, speaking on Sky afterwards. I am ready. I'm ready for it to come back. God, I can see the passion burning in your eyes. Um, so on this episode, we're going to be looking at all the anti-post things that we're interested in, basically, for each league uh, and a few opening weekend naps as well. And, and as it's the first betting show of the season, I just want to put out a message about this show and about the betting show in general. Firstly, to say that this is very strictly for over 18s only. Now, George and I like to bet on the EFL. You guys know that. And we like to talk to each other about the bets that we're placing, the bets that we're having. Now, that's what this this show is. Um, we also understand the risks around gambling. Crucially, George and I never bet more than we can afford to lose. We don't chase losses. We do not bet for the sake of it. We are sensible and we're disciplined with our staking and all of those things that are really important to be on top of. The idea behind talking about our picks is not to say go and lump on quickly. We want you to apply your own consideration and thought to things as well. And ultimately, we really do ask you strongly to be gamble aware, to recognise the risks that come with gambling and make sure that if you think you have a problem with betting, please speak to someone about it, whether that is someone that you know and trust all the many excellent professional resources available, most notably be gamble aware. George, let's start traditionally in the championship and traditionally with the outright winners market. Of course, it's it's sometimes a bit funny doing this show just a few days after we have put our 1 to 24 predictions out there pretty publicly. But sometimes there's value elsewhere and often, as the case is this season, we have our own separate opinions as well. We have our own brains, our own minds, and that's very exciting. But having said all of that, the outright winner's market for the championship very much reflects our own 1-24s. to Yeah, it does. No surprise to see the four teams that we have as the top four, as the four favourites. Fulham are the 5-1 to favourites, West Brom 11-2, Sheffield United 6-1, to Bournemouth 9-1. to And then you've got the others, QPR, best of the rest. I thought QPR were my dark horses, but again, maybe not so dark if they're fifth favourites. They're 13-1. to Cardiff, Swansea, Forest, Borough, all 14-1. to Reading, Barnsley, 7 Team to one, 20 to one bar. And I think this gets it about right. You know, I'm not 
necessarily that bullish on Fulham winning the league. We had them top, and I think they are the best of the four. Um, I think at five to one, they represent a bit of each way value. And that is because, as I said in the one to 24s, I'd be pretty surprised if the top four at the end of the season wasn't Fulham, West Brom, Sheffield United and Bournemouth. So by backing them each way, you're getting the, basically the first three places for small profit because it's a quarter of three. So I think Fulham are a decent each way bet. As I said on those pods, you know, Marco Silva is a manager that I think doesn't necessarily get the credit that he deserves. I think he's an exciting appointment for Fulham. I think he's probably a, an upgrade uh, on Scott Parker on what we've seen of both of them so far. Um, their squad looks fine to me. I remember at the end of last season thinking to myself, oh, how are Fulham going to cope with losing all of their loanees? Well, it turns out they basically just kept their whole promotion winning squad as well and just had them as, as reserves. Um, players like Josh Onoma, who were so crucial in their promotion, basically didn't get a look in and are still sitting in their squad now. So I think Fulham are the best team in it. I think 5-1 to one represents some decent value um, each way, as I say, because you know, in horse racing terms, the championship this season looks like a bit of a sneaky each way race because, um, yeah, it doesn't feel to me like there are plenty of options outside. And when you're comparing 5-1 to one for Fulham against the likes of 14-1 to one for other teams, um that I don't expect to get there, the likes of Swansea, who I think are miles off um, where they are. The one other one I'd flag up, and I haven't backed them yet, so this is more just if you're looking for something a bit different, is is probably now at the current price is Bournemouth at 9-1. to one. Um, Even though we had them as fourth, and they are fourth in the betting, I think the discrepancy in price between the three relegated teams in Bournemouth is probably a little bit too big. You've got you know, Fulham, West Brom, Sheffield United, 5-1, to 11-2, to 6-1. And then Bournemouth kind of sitting between them and, and QPR at 13-1 to one at nines. And I think that there are, there are quite clearly four Premier League set teams uh, in the Championship and Bournemouth are one of them. And I don't think that they are that much worse off going into the season as, as the other three teams. And again, because you've got the, in my opinion, the, um, the clear four, um, I think 9-1 to one each way seems like decent value where if one of those three teams who were, re- who were relegated do suffer a bit of a hangover after relegation um, Bournemouth are the likely ones to pick up the pieces and, and a 9-1 to one for the win and then you're getting you know decent enough uh, return for the place I think that would be the one I would pick as well as Fulham and I think you can back both to be honest I think because I'm fairly confident of, of those four finish, finishing as the top four I think you can back both 5-1 to 9-1 to one each way um, and if, if one of them hit the frame uh, and don't win you're still going to be Okay, you'll lose probably just you know just under half your stake, and if one of them hits top, and you can almost sneak a place to the other one, then you're going to be in, in good in a good place. So there'd be the two I'd play in the in the outright market. I also think that Fulham will win the league, but I'm probably not as confident about them versus West Bromwich Albion and Sheffield United at this stage as I would have been last season with Norwich versus Watford and Bournemouth in the in the shape that they came down with, and I suppose particularly with the managers that they came down with versus your Valishmails uh, and your Slavisa, your Kanovic's. So I think given we think those three are going to be very, very difficult to finish above, there's not a huge amount of juice uh, in that market for me. The relegation market is a bit of an odd one, George, because Derby not priced up because of their very volatile situation. And then quite a lot of movement in the last few days, particularly Reading getting slashed from 10 to 1 now into 6 to 1 uh, with Betfair. Where's your head at with the relegation market at the moment? Yeah, again, I think this is a market you, you can, well, I want to play quite a few teams in because we've raised some eyebrows with our predictions saying that Blackpool, Peterborough and Hull, we think the three promoted teams won't get relegated. 
when you look at the market, they take up a fair chunk of it. You got Blackpool at nine to four as, as favourites without Derby because Derby aren't there. Peter are next up at five to two, and then Hull at four to one. So if you're as we do, if you think those three are too short, then you've got to throw a couple of darts at some others. And there are three at the prices that I think look attractive. I'm going to leave one of them to you because we agree on it. Um, I'm still playing Swansea at 12 to 1. I'm surprised. I kind of think, especially in the short term, everyone's maybe going a little bit too far on the appointment. He is a guy who I have immense respect for and I'm sure he will probably at Swansea um, in time, take them to, to some new, well, not new heights, but to some heights under his under his stewardship. But he is very much a process manager who was basically unable to to get uh, what he wanted out of his MK Dons team when he first took over mid-season. It took last summer um, to really see the kind of football that he wanted to implement. And even then, even though I, I loved watching them last summer and we had them very high for the season and I'm gutted we're not going to see what he could have done with that squad. You know, they were a mid-table team last season. Again, he just, of all the managers that I can think of that I rate, he seems to me to be the one who is least suited to taking over a club a week before the season starts. Now, I'm sure the football will be pretty and I'm sure they're going to be pretty good. I also wonder in terms of, you know, you've got to look in this stuff at, at how secure the jobs are. And a lot of Swansea fans were intimating to me on social media this week that he'll get time and all this stuff. The stakes are so high for a manager who hasn't managed at this level that I think if he doesn't get off to a great start and they're in a precarious position towards the turn of the year, I'm not sure that's necessarily true. I think all fans of their own club like to think that they're a team who give managers chances and all this stuff play football the right way I think for 70% of teams their fans think that I'm not sure I necessarily buy into it I know that Swansea have got a great record of playing attractive football I'm sure they're going to enjoy that but at 12 to 1 I think the squad still looks very very thin and it's a speculative one I'm not saying to go crackers you know if we were sitting here and Swansea hadn't appointed a new manager or if they'd appointed Jody Morris or someone I'd be saying this was probably my best bet of the whole EFL I don't think that now but I think it's still enough there at 12s Um, there's enough uncertainty and I think people might be getting a little bit carried away about what Russell Martin can do in a short space of time at a new level. The other one I'm going to flag up is Blackburn at 8-1. to one. Uh, I think when you and I recorded our 1-24s, we probably anticipated they'd have done a bit more business than they have done by now. Still very little coming in the door. Um, the squad is very thin. Again, I don't think Tony Mowbray will, will be given very much time at all. Uh, if there was a market for first manager sacked in the, in the championship, I think he would be a very short price favourite. Uh, and at 8-1, to one, um, and especially given you know with, with the Adam Armstrong situation, if they don't start well, there's still another another three and a half weeks for him to leave the club. Uh, and you know the owners, the Venkies, don't seem to have much urgency about trying to, to to sort out the the issues with the playing squad. So yeah, I'll be I'll be backing Blackburn at eights, probably a point on Blackburn at eights, half a point on Swansea at twelves, and then probably two points on the one year. But you're going to talk us through now. But yeah, I just I thought I'd flag up Preston. Um, currently nine to two for relegation with the Derby situation volatile uh, with Huddersfield as our 23rd place team in the 124s pretty short price um I did just want to flag up Preston if we think that Swansea's appointment of Russell Martin bumps them up maybe a few places from the 21st spot that we had them which I do personally um and if we think the three promoted teams will mostly be pretty good 
and if, if I accept the fact that my concerns for Reading's finances, which is why we had them in 22nd place, might not derail them all the way into the relegation zone, then Preston at 9-2 to two starts to appeal a little bit. So there's a few caveats, but I just wanted to flag it up. I mean, Frankie McAvoy is in charge. Alex Neal's long-term assistant had a great caretaker spell at the very end of last season. You know, with four games to go, I think they only had maybe 47 points from 42 games. They'd been on a really poor run. They won those last four games, mostly against teams with little to play with at that stage in the season in a way that, that makes me think it, it might have been a little bit noisy. Um, now, McAvoy is a very popular assistant manager, popular around the place at Preston, and, and he could end up being brilliant uh, as their number one. I did see some quotes from him in a recent Guardian interview, which I thought were were interesting. And, and I think if you were a Preston backer or wanted to back them, just something that might give you cause for thought. Uh, he said, I've always been in the background. Sometimes it is probably the best place to be, to be honest. I had no aspirations whatsoever to be a manager or a head coach. I felt I was best suited as a number two, somebody that can advise and assist and help. Now, of course, quotes from a, a written article could be uh, could lack context. It might be that things have changed and he now feels very ready to be the, the number one. But we do think managers are important. And Preston are a club who their performances over the last five years, we've really enjoyed um, to the extent that it's easy to forget that a lot of it was punching above their weight to a pretty impressive amount and that doesn't always last forever. Now, it might be they can keep doing that. The midfield, as, as we said, uh, looks strong. Uh, but while I don't think the league looks that strong in terms of title challenges, I do think the relegation scrap could be quite tricky uh, if there are going to be some um, pretty capable teams. So there you go. I just wanted to flag up Preston at 9-2 to two there. Yeah, I'm really keen on that as well. I think that's the, the strongest bet of the lot. Um, if, you, if you take out all context to Preston, which I think you're allowed to do, given all the changes there, um, you've basically got a team with one of the lowest budgets with a completely untested manager. Um, yeah, I, I think if you employed someone to have a look at all the squads without any um, knowledge of previous seasons and price it up, I think Preston would be almost favourite. Um, so I think that is definitely... A, the only issue being that if they do have a poor start to the season, I'm sure a more experienced manager will be at the helm pretty quickly. Mm. Let's see if we can have some joy in the top goalscorer market in the championship. We've both got a few interests here. Uh, George, why don't you kick us off and, and run me through a couple that interest you at the prices? Yeah, there's a couple. Um, I fancy Charlie Austin, uh, 14 to 1. I, I, you're basically guaranteed that he's going to play uh, every game where he's fit. Uh, he doesn't do anything but score goals. He's playing for a manager in Mark Warburton who sets his team up to play very attacking football. Uh, he came into the side in January last season when he wasn't particularly fit. And I think it's called, was it 10 and 20 or 8 and 20 maybe? Um, you know, he's somebody who I think will definitely give you a run for his money. The only annoyance I have is whether or not he'll definitely be on pens um, because we know that Lyndon Dykes only scores penalties. Uh, I think he probably will be. Um, I think I can't see Dykes playing a great deal uh, this upcoming season. So yeah, Austin at 14s. And then one that I really like is Malik Wilkes at 40s, a player who's got a pretty good goal scoring record anyway, normally kind of playing off the right. Uh, if you're looking previously in the championship, he has kind of struggled for goals a bit more compared to League One. But in his last two League One seasons, he scored 14 for Donny and then 19 last season for Hull. And in the championship, he's basically been in and out of the team and he has played, but he did get four in 12 uh, at the back end of the 1920 season for Hull. And when you look at the players that Hull have brought in, you know, they've now got um, Randall Williams to play on the right-hand side uh, and also Ryan Longman too. And they haven't brought in a striker. So you've got McGuinness and Eves there. I don't think Tom Eves is going to be 
well, I don't think they will want Tommy to play a great deal of football. It kind of feels to me like McGuinness will be the option if they want to have someone who can make the ball stick a bit, and Wilkes being the other option up front. It wouldn't surprise me at all if, if Wilkes plays quite a lot of the season up front, and we know that he can score goals. And again, I kind of fancy Hull to go pretty well. Um, they're a bit crowded out on the right-hand side. So I think that is maybe a case of a player being priced up for a different position to the one that he's likely to be employed in. We've got Mitra at the top of the market, obviously, at, at 6-1, to one, and... Look, if Mitrovic is motivated playing for the team that we think are going to win the league, uh, the Golden Boot winner last time he was here, then clearly he's the rightful favourite. Um, six to one never particularly appeals to me, so I'm always looking elsewhere. Carlin Grant at fourteen to one. I'm going to come back to a few old favourites actually, and, and old favourites <laughs> that I wouldn't go as far as say they've let me down in the past, but maybe um, I, I'm looking for them to reward my faith in them. Put it that way. Carlin Grant first at, at fourteen to one. Now I think in Val Ishmael's West Brom, he will be playing off the left uh, currently with their squad kind of not yet fully formed and and the, the main red flag I would flag up straight away is I think they're in for a number nine I don't know who that will be but they are in for a striker and I'm sure once they get some cash for Pereira and for Sam Johnston then they will start to make moves so this is just one at the moment where I think that Grant is going to be their number one goal scoring option even if he's playing off the left with Callum Robinson through the middle as it looks like it will be and Deanne Garner out on the right hand side I still think it's possible for Grant to be their number one goal scoring option to be the guy who, who takes the most shots and that's why I kind of want to be involved because I do think he's got a massive season in him I mean he, he scored 19 for Huddersfield last time at this level a fairly a fairly ropey Huddersfield side from pre-season he's on penalties which I think is always a tick in the box I think I went back through the last 10 seasons of top goal scorers in the championship and seven out of ten at least were, were on penalties so that's always something to look for um, I like Grant at 14 to 1 it's not the most juicy price but I want to be on it in case he has the breakout season that I think he can have similar thing with Dom Solanke I, I know we spoke about him on this very show last season I think we bought his goals on the spreads and he made us a little bit of money but not a lot I believe that Dom Solanke will reach a new level. I thought maybe last season and he, he, he flirted with it, but he didn't get there. This could be the season. Maybe Scott Parker gets the best out of him. He's clearly going to be the main man. They're selling Surridge. You know, Solanke is going to be playing a lot of minutes. I thought he was really impressive last year in a Bournemouth side that never really clicked. I think if there's a chance that they do click, Solanke is going to have you know as many chances as many shots as anyone else in the league uh, and I do believe that Solanke is a talented goal scorer uh, and, and could very easily make those people who who seem to doubt him just by default uh, look quite silly uh, over the next year or two. Um, lastly George we wanted to look at well a couple of other things but specifically Betfair have a highest scoring team market the team in each division that will score the most goals by the end of the season quite a fun market and quite a fun one to sort of research and think about as well where have you landed yeah well smartly from Betfair they've, they've slashed the team that I was quite keen on talking about um, when I was doing my research yesterday QPR were 20 to 1 cut to 11 to 1 which is kind of enough to put me off now um, halving in price but I think Bournemouth at nine to one, um, when you consider that Fulham are 130, West Brom are five to one, Sheffield United 15 to two, um, just looks just too big compared to the three teams that they're up against. Um, you know, Scott Parker is not necessarily the most uh, attacking minded manager. Having said that, they did put five cup, put five past MK in the Carabao first round um, earlier. Well, last week, um, it just seems a little bit too big. So they, you know, they'll probably be the one. I go for it looks like the market's probably about right you know i've got no interest in backing any of the bigger price teams 
Um, if any of them, you could probably make a case maybe for Birmingham at 55s. I think they're going to be more attack-minded under under Lee Bowyer, but I think at 55 to 1, it's probably going to be a good value loser where they end up further up than where the market has them as one of the least likely, but also probably not scoring enough goals to to win it. Yeah, I think I like Sheffield United um, of that sort of big three, so to speak. Um, they're a much bigger price than, than uh, Baggies and Fulham. Uh, and yeah, of course, we we don't think this looks like the perfect team yet. And we have reservations about how they might start the season slowly and then really kick on in the second half of the season. But I think we should give Jokanovic, the manager specifically, a bit of respect here. Uh, his Fulham side were joint winners of the most goals in the league in this division in 16-17 then they were second top in 17-18 his Watford side in 14-15 was second best as well with 91 goals so this is a guy who over more than three seasons at this level has averaged with his teams 1.75 goals per game I can't imagine there are many managers if any with a better record than that so I want to show that some respect and also in relation to the ton of firepower that they have that we've mentioned already I think of those at the top of the market for me Blades look like the value to score the most goals at 15 to the market is highest scoring team on Betfair and in terms of any other business for me I just want to flag up Luton they are not being priced up anywhere near the sort of dark horses that ourselves and a lot of other people have had playoff flirters we thought uh, eighth place in our 1-24s they finished in the top half just about in 12th last season uh, I want to back them to finish in the top half again at, at 7-5 to five, um, and I think most of the justification for that will have been covered in, in that segment in the 1-24s to 24s, um, which we would encourage you to listen to if you haven't for an overview of every single team in the EFL George any more for any more in the championship yeah, one more in that market. You just mentioned top half finish. Uh, I'm back in Birmingham at 13 to 10. Uh, you know, I just mentioned that they're in the highest scoring team. I think Lebo is a positive appointment. I like some of the signings that they've made. Uh, I think it's a very weak championship this season and it's not going to take much for one of those teams uh, to put together a bit of a run and finish in the in the top half. It often feels in that market like there aren't very many places to play with, especially in the Premier League, whereas I feel like <laughs> in the championship season this season, there are probably nine places to play with there because we can be pretty confident the top four will be in there and then it's basically there isn't a single team outside of that four where I would be massively surprised if they finished in the bottom half. So uh, it's pretty open. And I think Birmingham are the value. Uh, when you look at the teams who are around them, Preston, Luton, Hull, uh, I think, well, maybe with the exception of Luton, I think Birmingham definitely have more about them than those. Uh, and then in the top promoted teams, top promoted team, sorry, you've got Hull at six to four, Peterborough 15 to eight, Blackpool nine to five. I think Hull are, are the value here at six to four. Uh, maybe one for a, for a multi across the leagues if you're going to do one. Um, they were the best team out of the three in League One last season. They uh, have a manager who, with a decent squad, has already done good things at the club before his players were sold and they fell all the way down the league. They've, their business, I think, has been the best of all those three teams so far. I think um, Peterborough or Blackpool will have to do incredibly well to finish above where Hull finished this season. So 6-4, to four, yeah, I, I think maybe um, you know, if, if you offered me Hull or both Peterborough and Blackpool in a match bet, I'd probably still take Hull, which suggests they should be odds on. Just a reminder that with Betfair, if you bet £20 on multiples or bet builders, you get a £5 free bet also to use on multiples or bet builders. That could be of interest to some of you at the moment. T's and C's do apply, so head to the Betfair website to find out more. Uh, league One, let's get our teeth into this. Uh, the, the League of Expectation, I've seen it described as competitive chaos, uh, utter carnage, other phrases do apply. George, at the top of the market, um, the winner's market, this is where those who listen to the 1-24s to might raise their, raise their eyebrows slightly because you're not looking uh, at Rotherham, 
but I will be. Who are you looking at at the top of this market? <laughs> yeah, I, I think Ipswich. I mean, they've been so well backed now. Um, you know, they were as big as I think nine, ten to one early on in the summer, and they're now um, six to one joint favourites with Sunderland. But I still think they are probably the way to play this. Um, again, because of the each way angle. Uh, looking at the the exchange, the Betfair exchange, they're trading at kind of seven point four, so they're pretty tight to six to one um, on the exchange. So that is a kind of fair reflection on the win price, and you're also getting the top three. Um, where you know if, if they do finish second or third, you're getting a very small profit for your six to one um, each way bet. And the reason for this is is mainly because, in my opinion, if you look at every team in, in League One and you work out the kind of um, the breadth of where they could finish, you know, you take Sunderland for example, who are currently joint favourites with them at six to one. I, I think Sunderland could basically finish anywhere between first and. 14th at this stage mm. <laughs> maybe even lower because they need more players in um they've lost a lot of players there's much depth there we're placing a lot of faith in in the manager and the, and the sporting director all the all these things with and, and i think with rotherham as well even though i agree i mean i was on board with our 1 to 24 selection and i think there's a fair chance they will finish top or go close but you know that their basement is still is still pretty low i think you know even halfway through the 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 season where they got promoted last time under paul warren they were in the table and a lot of rodrum fans were, were questioning whether or not he was the right man to lead them there is you know it's not beyond the realms of possibility that rodrum could feasibly have a poor season with ipswich it just feels incredibly unlikely because of the amount of money that they have invested into the side, because of the quality of player that they brought in, because of the quality of the manager they have in Paul Cook. You know, we've seen, going back to Sunderland, how teams who spend big on players, even when they have a bad season at this level, generally won't be too far off the top. Um, you know, Sunderland fans would probably argue they've had three bad seasons and they finished in the playoffs twice and just outside once. It seems immensely unlikely to me that Ipswich are going to massively fall away or, or not be a very, very good League One side. Um, so in that respect, they feel like the most solid option to me and therefore I think are the right favourites um, and, you know, getting the insurance on coming second or third at six to one with your each way bet, I think is the way to play this one for me. Yeah, unsurprisingly, uh, I'm sticking with the Millers here. Uh, obviously, they're the team that I, that I think will win the league. So when you see them at 13 to one, that's pretty exciting. I'm going to take the each way option. You know, I, I I am much more bullish than you. It's a little bit like how I used to feel about Cheltenham under Mike Duff in League Two. I I don't think their floor is particularly low. I sort of back them to be in the top six, ultimately kind of either way uh, and potentially have a very, very high ceiling. So I'm going to back them each way at 13 to one. And if you like Rotherham, but, you're, but maybe you're worried about one of the other two teams or one, of, one or two of the other teams rather being incredible like Ipswich or Sunderland or Wigan or anyone really, then that top six finish for me at nine to five does feel like a, a nice price for Rotherham. Um, and George, if I wanted to back them on the handicap at plus nine, 18 to 1, obviously. Mm. Um, what does that mean for those who are not as au fait with the season handicap market? Yeah, the only thing harder to explain than the Asian handicap is the season handicap. Um, I mean, it's it's fairly straightforward. Uh, you, If they're plus 9, then you are adding 9 points to their score and every team in the league has a handicap. So 
if you look at the season handicap, you'll see that Sunderland are scratch, which means that they are, they have no points added to theirs. And I think the team at the bottom who are Cambridge, yeah, Cambridge are plus 25. So every team will have a an amount of points that are added to their final tally. Once all of those allocations have been added, it's how the table falls after that. So I guess the way to think of it is it's you're betting on the team who you think will overperform their expectations the most. Um it's fairly complicated, but it's, I mean, it's very, very good fun. There are people who absolutely love it. Um, so, and I think with, with Rotherham, it's not a market that I necessarily play very often, but that does look to me like the way to do it if you are going to. But you just remember that you might back Rotherham, they might win the league, and you might still lose if, say, Cheltenham finish fourth, because they will have more points being added to their, to their tally than, than the team you backed. Well, we've got a chip on our shoulder now. Me, Paul Warren, Richard Wood and co. We are, we're, we're ready. We're <laughs> ready for this. Um, uh, down at the bottom, uh, four relegation places, of course, in, in League One. Who are your fancies for relegation? It's not a market that I'm going to get massively involved with. I think that uh, Cambridge at uh, six to four are probably the way to go. Maybe that's a good one to double up with the whole top promoted team for for an ACA, um, for or for a multi um, just because, you know, as I said on the one to twenty fours, please do go back and listen to them if you haven't already. Uh, they were in the data um, a mid-table side last season who rode their luck a lot. They've lost one very key player in Paul Mullen. It's going to be very difficult, I think, for Mark, for Mark Bonner to repeat the trick. Um, I'm by no means writing them off, but I think it's six to four. I mean, it, it, it is probably a bit of value in, in what looks a very very strong league. And then Fleetwood at 130, the other ones. Um, if it wasn't for Simon Grayson being in charge, I'd probably have this as a much stronger bet. Um, but as a football club, they seem to be regressing pretty quickly. And at 130, um, I think they should be a fair bit shorter. Okay, let's move on because I have nothing further to add your honour on the relegation picture for League One. Top goal scorer, uh, I couldn't get away from Yellow's number nine, Matty Taylor. 12 to 1 each way. He is Ooh. among the favourites. I hope you're right. That's for sure. Third favourite with Betfair, Charlie Wyke, 9 to 1. Joe Piggott, 10 to 1. Taylor, 12. Stockley, 14 to 1. And Mo Issa, Owen Doyle, John Marquis, Ross Stewart, all 16 to 1. Gasana Hadme of Pompey at 18 to 1 with Luke Jeffcott, Freddie Ladapo, Josh Windass, James Norwood, Will Grigg, Max Waters, Dion Charles at 20 to 1, and plenty others on there. I must say, strikers wise, I think League One's absolutely fascinating this season. I am feeling good about Matty Taylor, and one of the reasons is the next market that we're going to come to. But I'll be backing him each way. A uh, quarter of the odds for the top four places is the each way payout. He was equal for fifth last season, and actually, his goal scoring record in the National League and League Two with Bristol Rovers was brilliant and he he did not find the step up to League One too tricky either. Uh, two and a half seasons he's played in League One now. The first one, he left in January, of course, to Bristol City from Bristol Rovers. He was already on 16 goals then. He'd played like, I think he'd started 20 games and scored 16 since he's been with Yellows. Uh, 13 goals in, in kind of half a season's worth of minutes two years ago where he suffered a little with injuries and 18 goals last season. Uh, I just really wish he took your penalties. That is a big blow for me here. But mm. I, I think I think it's a case of me being bullish that he will be up there. I think we know that he is going to be guaranteed to start every single game that he physically can. I find it very difficult to imagine him not being 
the number nine for the entirety of the season. There's no reason for Robertson to lose faith in him because he's an excellent player at this level. And and one big part of my thinking behind this, George, is also my pick for the next market, highest scoring team. I know that we have the same pick here um, and it's Oxford at 10 to 1. We think that they are the value for the highest scoring team market. Now, only Peterborough and Hull scored more than Oxford last season. And the season before that, only Posh scored more. So we know that under Carl Robinson, you play very attacking football and invariably you score among the most goals in the league. So I'm feeling good about Yellows and Matty Taylor. Why don't you pick up here uh, on the highest scoring team front? And then you can tell me about any goal scorers that you like as well. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm with you on the highest scoring team. I think there's no uh, guarantee that Oxford are going to be finishing back in the playoffs again. I think they're another team who could finish pretty much anywhere from first to 14th. Um, but you know with the Carl Robinson side, and his job is, is very secure, you know with the Carl Robinson side, they're going to be attacking. And I think, say it quietly, I think the um, the first team that Oxford have this upcoming season is probably as good as anyone's first team in League One and uh, an attacking uh, roster that includes, you know, the aforementioned Matt Taylor, but also Gavin White and Nathan Holland um, is probably the starting three with absolutely loads of wingers to <laughs> to step in if, if any of them non-performing uh, is very exciting. So I, I think, yeah, you won't go far wrong um, backing Oxford in that one. But my, my top goal scorer tip is a player that I've basically never seen play football before. Um, it is uh, Dan Ndulu, who is on loan from Southampton at Lincoln. And the reason for this is <clears throat> kind of a, a fewfold. Uh, Michael Afton's record with loans is ridiculously good. I think, you know, you can almost, in, in horse racing terms, there are often trainers who people say you can bat blind at certain race courses or whatever. And I think with with Michael Appleton loans, you can basically back them blind to be good. Um, and Ndulu comes in having played a fair bit of Premier League football last season for Sampton off the bench. Uh, he's 22 years old, so he's not overly young. Um, he is very much a striker, a striker that they lacked last season. Um, and it just, it, yeah, I'm pretty sure given Appleton's record, and you look what happened with Brendan Johnson last season and Morgan Rogers, he doesn't bring in loan players to to warm the bench. I'm pretty sure Ndulu's going to be in coming in and immediately given that responsibility to be the striker. He doesn't have much competition for the role at all. You know, Tom Hopper's the other front man who's a completely different player. Um, I don't know whether or not he's going to be taking pens or not, but I think having a guy who's clearly got Premier League pedigree, um, you know, you, we think back to what um, Michael Appleton did with Kemar Roof at a similar age at Oxford where he came in with kind of no fan fanfare in his early 20s from West Brom and just completely tore up League Two. And when we consider that we've got Lincoln down as being a top six team, Appleton plays positive goal-scoring football. It doesn't matter that I've never seen him play before. The fact that he's going to get minutes playing in that position, to me, means he should be in that group at the top end of the market alongside the other players who are going to be starting as strikers for teams finishing towards the top end of the table. I'm really pleased that there isn't a out-of-context NTT20 Twitter account because it doesn't matter that I haven't seen him play before, even though I absolutely love your justification uh, as a soundbite is uh, is probably not the best look. It'll, it'll look good in May. It's fine. <laughs> I, I, I really do like Matty Taylor uh, of all of my sort of top goalscorer fancies, um, but I couldn't help but look at lovely Mikel Mandron at 66-1 to 1 and ask, mm -hmm. could he be this season? Could he be this season's for Dane Oliver? By which I mean, could he be the striker that inexplicably doubles his like all-time goal output in one season? 
it, it might seem unlikely. He is not the most natural finisher, but I really believe that he's playing for a team that will consistently create for him, and that goes a long way. Crew had the second best uh, XG from open play in League One last season. He doesn't look to have that goal scorer's knack that you'd probably really want to be confident. But at 66 to 1, playing for the team that we think would attack really well, uh, I think that's definitely interesting. George, did you have any other business here? I have to admit that I found it tough in League One outside of those markets. I do, because I'm so bullish on Rotherham, because I completely accept everything that you say about Ipswich, uh, I did look at their dual forecast price at 45 to 1 here with Betfair with some interest, I must say. But outside of that, it was slim pickings for me. So I'm hoping you've got something here for me. Uh, not a great deal. Uh, I think AFC Wimbledon are worth backing in a couple of markets. Uh, the 8-5 to five, um, top half finish and 5-1 to one for a top six finish. I think they are well set to, to improve markedly on, on the AFC Wimbledon we've seen over the last couple of years. I think Mark Robinson has proven himself to be an exciting manager. They've got a very young, exciting team as well. Um, and I think they are the one team who could kind of upset uh, the bigger boys in the division. So if I was to side with the team at a bigger price in a few markets, I think they're, they're 45 to one as well to win the league, which I wouldn't necessarily rush to back. But I think those those um, sub markets, yeah, top, top six, top half, uh, probably the way to go to get with them. Let's move on to League Two then. Uh, and this is an exciting one, I think, for us particularly, because at the top of the market, you have Salford and Bristol Rovers. And... Neither George and I are convinced of their capability, really, uh, on that front as uh, as favourites for the title. So, for, for punting purposes, that's obviously pretty exciting. In fact, we're both going to talk about a team in the winners' market, uh, and we're basically going head to head. George, there's two teams at ten to one: Bradford City and Mansfield Town. Why don't you tell me which of those you think is good value? <laughs> yeah, I'm backing Bradford at ten to one. Um... I just think they look very strong going into the season. They've they've lost uh, a few players who I think have needed to move on. Um, you know, Clayton Donaldson and poor Clayton's um, been getting an absolute battering. One of my favourite ever well, EFL I just, players. I, just, I mean, absolutely. He was, he was 37 by the time he left. Um, I, I think it's just time for a reset at Bradford. It's been a kind of dire couple of years. They obviously appointed there to caretaker managers off the back of a very good run last season which never really looked particularly smart but in, in getting in Derek Adams they've brought in the best in the business at this at this level um, you know he's, he's already achieved two promotions out of here with Argyle and then Morecambe last season this is a much much easier task um, it would be really surprising for them not to be in the mix and I think 10 to 1 looks like a cracking bet um, as you say Salford makes no appeal at 11 to 2 for me nor Bristol Rovers at 9 to 1 Um I'm kind of tempted by Forest Green, but I'm persuading myself, reminding myself hourly not to get involved at this stage with managers who we know little about. Just give it a couple of weeks. You know, if Forest Green start well and they look good, then maybe back them at a shorter price in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, but at this current stage, I see no reason to, to doubt that Bradford will be one of the best teams in the, in the division and should give you a pretty good run for your money each way at 10 to 1. Yeah, and I'm leaning towards Stags, uh, Mansfield Town, and. Uh, while accepting everything that you say and basically thinking there's almost nothing between the two sides, my, my two favourites in the division, I think, probably. And it's just because Nigel Clough, who I also think, like Derek Adams, is a magnificent manager at this level, absolutely the right man to get Mansfield over the line uh, and to, to get them moving up the divisions, basically because he's already in and he's already put his stamp on things last season where Derek Adams only joined at the start of, of June after Morecambe's um, playoff success. So 
you know, Clough has spent the back end of last season imposing a style of play, getting people used to his management style, his character, and Adams is, is kind of only really just getting his feet under the table there. So f for whatever that's worth, I don't know. But that that's why I'm leaning towards Mansfield uh, out of these two at 10 to 1. Uh, and I dare say, you know, it's kind of pick your poison, really. Uh, everyone listening will, will have a different opinion and it'd be interesting to hear where most people sort of fall on the side of, of Bradford and Mansfield, the, the two 10 to 1 shots. But that's where we're at in the winner's market for League Two. What about relegation? Um, George, why don't you talk me through who you think will be dropping down to the National League? Yeah, another good market, this one, because I think Sutton are way too short. Uh, they're the favourites at 7 to 2. I, I don't think that's, that's fair uh, on the basis of how good they were last season in the National League and, and the signings they've made. I think Scunthorpe are the bet at 92. Yeah, you've got Scunthorpe and Barrow both 92 level pegging, which I don't think is right at all. I think Scunthorpe, um, I think Barrow in a match pet with Scunthorpe would be a cracker if Betfair were to oblige. Um, but yeah, I, I, they were not very good last season. I've seen very little from their manager, Neil Cox, to suggest that he is taking the club forward. Um, they've lost Alex Gilead and, and Abo, Aboisa, they're only good to attacking players to the aforementioned Bradford. Um, there is very little to get excited by. Uh, the only possible issue I would have is that there's always seems to be one or two in, in League Two that have complete off-field uh, meltdowns. We're yet to see who those will, those will be. I mean, there seems a fair chance that Scunthorpe could be one of them. Um, but in a league that's very hard to get relegated out of, it feels like year on year you have good value losers um, in in League Two. I think last season I backed Scunthorpe to get relegated and, and I felt quite hard done by that they weren't closer to it by the end. Um, but I'd see no reason why they'd improve this season. And I think it could be a, a long old season for them. Yeah, I mean, we mentioned Hartlepool and how their excitement at getting back to League Two somewhat tempered by the, the departure of key attacking players, uh, Oates and Armstrong, uh, and defenders as well. Johnson, who was a, a key man at the back for them, and Cass, who was a, a key low knee as well, who's gone elsewhere in League Two. So I, I am concerned about Hartlepool, while also understanding that no team has ever been relegated um, straight back down to the National League, having been promoted on merit. And I must say, someone did tweet us at, and, and did make a point, which I, I probably hadn't considered, which is, you know, at the very least, Hartlepool understands now the risk of dropping down to non-league and what that can mean for the club, where perhaps last time at this level that they might have felt bulletproof. So it's difficult to quantify and measure that, but I just thought it's worth flagging up that they're 5-1 to one to go down. I, I mean, with regards to them and Sutton, of course, there is a top promoted team market and Hartlepool are the favourites for that. Sutton at 6-5, to five, uh, and I don't think either of us can understand why Hartlepool would be favourites other than the name of the club and the reputation and the history behind it. Um, Sutton having... Com you know, won the league fairly comfortably in the end, Hartlepool having to, to come up through the playoffs after finishing fourth, Sutton having kept their manager and the, and the whole of their team, Hartlepool having kept their manager and, and lost some of their key players. So that's an interesting one for me. Uh, and then elsewhere in the relegation market, I think I saw on, on We Love Betting's Twitter account yesterday that there's a remarkable stat about uh, the consecutive run of seasons that a team 10 to 1 or more has been relegated uh, from League 2. And I think we recognise that there are often off-field issues at th that sort of contribute to that. And Rochdale at 11-1 to 1 is, is one where I don't expect things to completely derail there. But at the price of 11-1, to 1, um, I think the key questions would be, what if 
what if the difficulties off the field, the power struggle, I think you called it, which I thought was a great way of putting it on the 1-24s, what if that continues to, to undermine things? What if their rookie manager, Robbie Stockdale, struggles early on? And, and I probably more specifically, you know, they have made some signings in the last few days after having to wait until, well, yeah, literally three days ago to make their first transfer of the summer. Um, and they've gone with... Two players, Sam Graham and George Broadbent, 20-year-olds uh, from Sheffield United's development squad. Max Taylor, 21-year-old from Manchester United's development squad. Corey O'Keefe from Mansfield Town, you know, pretty much the only one with sort of relevant senior experience there. So what if those players aren't the right ones? What if those inexperienced signings don't hit the ground running? Well, uh, they're losing Ollie Rathbone. We're pretty confident of that. Uh, and the squad looks very, very thin. So that, if you're looking for a longer price than, than some of the favourites, is an interesting one to me. Rochdale at 11 to 1. And top goal scorer, Market George. I, I looked at some trends over the last 10 years for Championship League 1, League 2. There's nothing like groundbreaking. The trends are basically, it's better to be a proper number nine rather than a wide forward. That's obvious. It's better to be on penalties for your team. Uh, it's better for your team to finish in the in the top six. I think um, in general, it's very rare for a player outside of, of a playoff uh, contender to win this. Um, and it's generally better to have had a, a, at least a half-decent goal-scoring season the year before. And, and this is where League Two stands out, is that's not really the case. Um, previous goal-scoring form uh, doesn't seem to be as important in League Two. And I think we can shout out Paul Mullin here as, a, as kind of the poster boy for that, compared to the Championship and, and League One. Um, League Two really can come from anywhere, which makes it uh, exciting, I think, um, from the top goal-scorer market perspective. Who do you like in this market? Well, I'm lucky... Because I'm backing two players who basically never scored many goals before, so that's fine. Um, so they're both stepping down, uh, dropping down in class, and I think could enjoy themselves in League Two. Uh, Sam Nombe uh, comes in from MK Dons to Exeter, an Exeter side who scored absolutely loads of goals. They were only pipped by Oldham, I think, late on in the season for highest scoring team in League Two. Um, and Ryan Bowman has left. Nombe comes in to fill that gap. He is a player who you know was very highly thought of at MK, uh, went on loan to Luton last season in the Championship, which is quite a weird one. Uh, he's never been prolific, but I just don't really think he's ever been given that role before of being the consistent main marksman for a side. And I think he will get that at Exeter. They've given, given him a three-year deal. It's fully in their interest to get him performing at a high level. Um, and I think he represents a bit of value at 20 to 1. And then Aaron Drynan is the other one that I'm going to put up, who... I'm sure some Ipswich fans are, are spitting out their coffee as I say it, but he's gone out to Leighton Orient, um, even for Kenny Jackett's reputation as a defensive manager. His Pompey side scored plenty of goals. Um, he is a player who uh, had a kind of half-prolific spell over in Ireland at Waterford a couple of years ago. Again, he's just never been given the role to be to be the main striker for a side. Um, and again, because he's a young player brought in by Orion, I, I think he's finally going to get given that. And at 66-1 to 1 for a guy who is a genuine striker, um, that just seems very, very big indeed. Uh, I think he's he's the kind of guy who could easily, if he gets the season off to a decent start, you know, filling in for, for Danny Johnson, who's left the club after a prolific spell last season. Um there seems just no reason for me at all why he should be such a big price. Um, it's I accept there's a fair chance I'm going to be looking at his Wikipedia page next summer and see you know eight games played, no goals scored for for Orient. There's a chance that might happen. I think he, unlike Nombe, where it feels like the Nombe transfer will work out. Um, this is more of a 
of a um, stab in the dark. But for the role that he plays, um, you know, he will be expected to score goals for Orient. And I think at 66 to 1, you can take a chance. Okay, I've got, despite what I said about players coming from nowhere, that did make me look <laughs> longingly at the longer prices. But actually, the, the two main fancies for me are, are shorter prices. Firstly, Conor McElhenney at 10 to 1. His teammate Ian Henderson is the favourite for this. Uh, but I like McElhenney uh, being added to this Salford side. Um, what you know about McElhenney is that he's going to be an absolute shot monster. Um, you know, shot volume is is pretty important for this as well. Now you can have, I noticed for example, Matty Taylor is a number nine who actually doesn't take that many shots because he really waits for the right moments and takes the right shots, which is a great skill to have. In League Two, maybe more than other leagues with weaker quality of goalkeepers. I think actually shot volume is, is crucial when it comes to this. Mullin last season was taking nigh on four shots a game, which is you know pretty much unheard of outside of you know, all the big names in world football like Ronaldo, etc. And I think McElhenney can be that for, for this Salford side. He scored 17 for Oldham last season. That was a free-scoring Oldham side. Um, Salford need to improve on that point. On That point, that would be my main concern, is that, that they haven't really um, sort of unleashed the shackles going forward since they've been up in League Two. But I think McElhenney can help them do that. And it's just hard for me to imagine him not being up there, so to speak. And the same goes for Jamil Matt at 18-1. to 1. I mean, he's going to be Forest Green's main man, especially with Collins gone. He already was last season one of the few players who, you know, in XG terms, consistently got into good goal-scoring positions, finished at a good rate. You know, an injury came at a poor time. Otherwise, he would have been, you know, certainly not up there with Mullin, but, but possibly best of the rest. Um, and he scored three out of three penalties last season. They had one in preseason, which he didn't take because he'd been subbed off. So I don't know for sure that he's on pens, but I would expect Matt to, to take Forest Green's penalties. And um, it's hard to imagine them not being a team that can, creates a fair amount of striker, uh, chances for their striker because that's kind of what they've always been. And with that many talented, creative players, um, that tends to be the end goal. So Jamil Matt, 18-1, to 1, I, I quite like. But it'd be great to know what you guys think about all of this. I mean, we've gone through all three leagues, a number of markets. We've spoken about a ton of teams and players. Um, and really, th these are just our thoughts, and we would like to hear yours as well. So do get in touch with us uh, if you think there's something interesting that we've missed off. If you agree strongly or disagree, of course, with anything that we've said, then please don't hesitate to get in touch. And, and as I said at the top of the show, you know, these aren't just like everyone going lump on. These are anti-post picks we just love pre-season research and trying to find some value so we are hoping that you apply your own consideration and thought to that as well um ahead of opening weekend george um and this is going to be the the general theme of the betting show throughout the season is finding value in the weekend matches uh, opening weekend is kind of like christmas day for us so a lot of excitement <laughs> a lot of uncertainty um, but also sometimes we think um, a fair amount of value as well especially when you've put in the hard yards over the summer um researching teams so you know, I almost loathe to call them like strong naps because they are the start of the season and because there's uncertainty. But I'm sure there would have been some some clubs uh, catching your eye this weekend and I'd love to know who they are. Yeah, I think it's quite a good litmus test of someone uh, and their football punting if what they think of opening weekend. Uh, because some people say that it's the worst weekend of betting. I think it is easily the best. It's my favourite by miles because I think you just have teams being priced up 
on so much nonsense that doesn't reflect where they are as a football club. Um, and I've, I've got four that I'm going to run through now quick. I'll do them all in one. I think uh, all on the exchange at the moment. Um, so these are all exchange prices, basically. Uh, and remember, you know, there's not that much liquidity up at the moment. So you can always, rather than just taking the blue price, the back price, you can always um, put up a bet at a, at a bigger price and hope it gets matched. Often it will do because the spread sizes are quite big at the moment. Um, I'm backing Hull to beat Preston. Uh, it's 3.1 to back in the moment, so just bigger than 2 to 1. Uh, might be a little bit bigger on, on the sportsbook, I think. Uh, I think that doesn't reflect where either side are. Uh, I think Hull come into this absolutely flying on the back end of last season. I think they are probably a better side than Preston. All pressure on the home team uh, who haven't done much, if anything, in the transfer market this this summer. I think that Hull are not far off being the likely winners there. Uh, I think that Blackpool are a massive price at 3.55 to back. Uh, away at Bristol City. Um, again, it's just totally disrespecting the teams who've just come up and been promoted. We know that Blackpool are going to be very, very solid. Um, you've almost got a team who were the biggest mess last season in Bristol City against the side who were the best drilled and the most efficient and the just their performance level basically never dipped below uh, a seven last season. And I think a seven here could well be good enough to to get the win. Uh, I also think that Birmingham are a big price away at Sheffield United uh, at about the four to one mark. They're four point nine to back, five point two to lay. So if you stick it up, if you stick your bet up on the exchange at about four to one, I'm sure you'll get matched. Um, yeah, I think Sheffield United may well have a good season, but I, I don't see much reason why they would hit the ground running. They've got a team full of players who a fair few of them didn't play much last season. A manager in Slavica Kanovic who um, is an absolute legend. Is an absolute legend, but they played very few preseason games. We're asking a lot of him to get a tune out of this side first up, I think. And I think that Birmingham look to be, um, yeah, a side on the ascendancy who will give Sheffield United a, a pretty um, tricky game. I'm definitely with them. And then in only one in League One as well, um, I think Cheltenham are a, a massive price to beat Crew. Um, they're three point seven to back, um, so just over five to two, about eleven to four. Um, uh, again, I think crew. Sorry, Chelsea performance levels very rarely dip. This is a crew side in in a state of of transition, having lost a fair few players. Um, there's nothing to me to suggest they should be even money against the Mike Duff side. Um, I think if this game is played in a couple of weeks, the two teams would be way way closer, irrespective of what happens here. Um, there's not much to pick between the two of them. Where I think they'll finish this season. I think coming into the season itself, Cheltenham looked to me to be in a better spot. So they are my four. Yeah, my four. And in future weeks, we'll, we'll take more time over them, I think. Yeah, for sure. Well, exactly. Um, today's been more about the, the anti-post stuff, but just going through the leagues. In the championship, um, I'm going to back Huddersfield minus one against Derby this weekend, 21 to 10 with Betfair. It's... Um, you know, it's an interesting one because we have both of these uh, in the bottom two positions in our one to twenty fours, and yet I see Huddersfield at the very least as a team who have had a full preseason, who got almost all of their summer transfers done very early, for better or for worse. Um, they've already played a competitive game as well in the Carabao Cup, where they beat Sheffield Wednesday on penalties, um, and Derby have had a, a simply farcical preseason. Um, where they haven't been able to sign anyone. They have had a number of, of trialists involved, again, none of whom they've been able to add to the squad uh, in time for the start of the league season, uh, unless that gets done over the next few days. They are simply not ready for the season to start, and I think Huddersfield are. Now, for that reason, I think it's not hard to see Huddersfield coasting and Derby wilting here. I think 
you know, Huddersfield are obviously strong favourites to win this game because of the state that Derby are in. If you look at Derby's starting eleven uh, in their last friendly game, of course, there are some recognisable, very talented young players with first team experience and a couple of older guys like Marshall and Forsyth and Kazim Richards. But there's also a load of untested, inexperienced, um, essentially, you know, fast tracked youth graduates. And I don't think that's a great way to start the season. So Huddersfield minus one at 21 to 10 is my pick in the championship. I like Wigan to beat Sunderland uh, at three to one, partly because of what you said earlier, you know, Sunderland, I guess this is kind of a theme of all my picks. I don't think they are necessarily ready or in the best state to start the season I think you know in terms of transfer business they'd probably like it to, to start the day after the transfer window ended rather than with still a full three and a half weeks to go because they've been a little slow in doing their business there's nothing particularly wrong with that in the long term but compared to Wigan who have done the opposite and signed a lot of experienced and you'd say league one ready players uh, I think at three to one for for the strength of Wigan's squ current squad and first 11 um, versus Sunderland's I think it's chalk and cheese so Wigan at three to one is a is a price that I like a lot and in League Two, more of the same sort of theme from me. Uh, it worked well for us last season, didn't it? Uh, Harrogate, 23-20 to 20 to beat Rochdale currently. Um, a Dale side who I do not think are ready for the season to start, uh, who I mentioned earlier uh, as a potential long shot for relegation at 11-1. to 1. Um, They've brought in these young players. Uh, they've lost a lot of key men. Rathbone hasn't appeared in the, in the latest friendly ahead of a potential move. Um, I think they're kind of scrambling around. Uh, and Harrogate... Almost the opposite. They, are, you know, they established themselves in this league last season. They showed a lot of quality going forward. Uh, they've made some defensive signings and uh, some firepower up front in Armstrong and Orsi. Um, and I think they can hit the ground running for sure uh, in a way that I'm not sure Rochdale will. Uh, and last but not least, has there ever been a relegation six-pointer on the first day of the season? Scunthorpe against Swindon just like Huddersfield Derby, is a battle between two teams we had right down there. Uh, and sadly for Swindon, who I'm positive about, uh, given that the, the, the takeover's gone through and they can now add players, but they still barely have a, a sort of professional or rather senior starting eleven. They've added a few players over the last week or so who are you know, meeting each other this week, doing some training, trying to get ready for opening opening weekend. You can't tell me that that this Swindon side is, is ready to hit the ground running. Um, you can't even really convince me that they could possibly be anywhere near match fitness yet, given their sort of bizarre pre-season. Uh, whereas Scunthorpe, even if we are not too hot on them over the course of the season, they did get their business done pretty early. Uh, and I think they'll be much more ready for this game. So for them to be 2-1 to one to win at home against Swindon, um, I think is very generous at all. So there are our opening weekend thoughts. Don't forget as well that Betfair have no cash-out suspensions on match odds for all Football League games. And that's applicable to singles and multiples. So at no point during the 90 minutes between three and five or whenever else that match starts, uh, at no point where there'll be any suspended cash outs on Betfair. Um, do be gamble aware if you're having a punt on any of the anti-post markets or on opening weekend in the EFL. We can't wait to get back to you next week. Uh, reflect on how we've done uh, on opening weekend and how some of those anti-post bets have started. We hope you've enjoyed the return of the NTT20 betting show. Join us throughout the season. We are sponsored by Betfair and we cannot wait to get cracking. Go well.